Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Welcome back to Color Me Dead podcast. I'm sorry that we've been absent. It's been crazy. We shouldn't have to explain that every time you should know by now. Fucking shit's crazy. Sorry. You guys just need to understand that mm-hmm. we are flaky and incons- inconsistent, and sadly, the podcast gets pushed to the wayside. And I don't think flaky is the right word at this time. It's fucking busy is what it is. Sometimes we're flaky. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we're flaky, but like between I work a full-time third shift job, and then I work a full-time first shift job, and it's a lot. And I work a full-time at-home job while homeschooling children and running them everywhere. Yeah, dude. And even though it's COVID, they still go do stuff. Like, I'm still gone quite, like, every day of the week. It's a lot. But we wanted to put together a little nugget for you guys and say Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good night. That was your episode. Stay out of chalk lines. Fuck you guys. Goodbye. Uh, to all of our <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you guys. Please be really patient as we transition into the new year. I have a lot of irons on the fire. I have started a business that is going to require a lot of my attention in the upcoming months as I move into my new purchased kitchen and a few other things. So we will do the very best that we can. We haven't forgotten about you and we're not getting lazy. We just uh, I am, are working I'm, shit out. Yes, But uh, in the meantime, to our Patreons, I hope you enjoy your Christmas haul. And I got, I finally got the stuff to send out. So I'm going to send out more shit. Yay! If you haven't got your keychains that I got, I finally just got the rest of them. So they're going out. And new Patreons, I have all your shit ready. So Merry Christmas and thank you to all of our donations and subscribers to the Patreon. Um, You guys have helped out immensely in ways that you cannot even imagine um, the last couple of months financially with all of the endeavors. So we want to say thank you guys for sticking with us through the pandemic. Thank you for continuing to to listen. Happy New Year. Let's all hope that this year isn't... You know what? Let's let's end it like this. Let's end it on an attitude of gratitude because... 2020 was a dumpster fire for a lot of people. And I'm not going to say that it was an easy year. I'm not going to say that it wasn't hard. But I will say that at the end of the day, things could have been exponentially worse for a lot of people. So I'm going to end 2020 on an attitude of gratitude. So apparently I got a a message from a listener the other day that is like started at the beginning and is listening their way up. And Mm -hmm. I got a message that said that I predicted that 2020 was going to (laughs) suck. Like, at the beginning of the year, I was like, fuck that. 2020 is going to suck or something like that. It made me giggle. Fucking you called it, did you? I called it. All right. So this is episode 148, and I have named it Christmas Dinner Murder Style. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the Bing Crosby song, Christmas Dinner Country Style? That's what came to my mind when I said that. Okay, before we get started, I have a couple of shout outs for people that I haven't got done because we recorded two in a row last time and shit happened after we recorded the two in a row last time. So 
first is for Kate. I believe you say your last name Horst. It's H O R S T. Yeah, Horst. I can fuck up the simplest Horst of things. Worcestershire. Yes. Wooster. Now your last name's Hooster. Hooster. So Kate Hooster is your last that. name. Sorry about that. Hoostershire. <laughs> now your last name's Hooster. Yeah, you've just changed your name. Um, she sent an awesome painting that I haven't posted because I wanted to wait to shout her out on here so that you could go see it. If you go to my Instagram, I will get it posted up there. She did a painting of my son's favorite murder scene in um, Friday the 13th. And the one that he picked was the sleeping bag one from, I can't remember what number of, it was like seven or eight, I can't remember. Whatever, Friday the 13th it was, but where he pulls the sleeping bag and slams it up against the tree. Mm-hmm. That was his favorite kill scene. I was <laughs> like, sweet. <laughs> so, give her a look. Go to Kate and Paint on Instagram and get, check her out. Thank you for that present it was freaking awesome it made our day next one is rochelle scoggins she's the one that gave us those paperweights she gave us some oh they're and... these really groovy skulls that are mm. in like an epoxy paperweight yeah i love them me too i have mine on my desk right by my screen my computer screen i'm gonna glue a magnet a bagnet a bagnet to I'm it a bagnet i'm going to put a magnet on mine because i and putting a gigantic dry erase board in my new kitchen. Oh, yeah. So that I can, like, keep notes and shit. And I'm constantly running out of magnets. So mm. I've decided that I'm going to make a magnet. I like it. A magnet on my magnet. Um, and also, Casey. You know who you are, Casey. I ain't even trying to say your last name. She's my friend from Indiana. Um, I love her. Talk to her all the time. But she made me one of those signs to put in your door that says, please don't park too close. I have a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Made me giggle really hard. So there's that for today. Thanks, everybody, for sending us shit. I haven't checked the post office for a couple days. So if there's anything in there, sorry, I didn't get it yet. But I'll go today. Uh, social media. Do you want to find us on social media? You can if you'd like to. You can go find us on Twitter and be ignored at Color Me Dead Pod. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we have the Color Me Dead podcast page. And the group page is called CMD Reborn. <laughs> it's very specific. CMD Reborn. Because our first group was taken from us. I know. I got like a hate note about that the other day, too. Again, well, your posts have been removed. Well, no shit. It's been gone for like two fucking months, you dumbass. I honestly, like, it was everything in me not to be a petty fuck and like respond to them and be like, who fucking cares? The group is suspended. Nobody's going to goddamn see it anyway. You're removing shit in vain, cunt. I literally got put in Facebook jail for three fucking days for something that I sent on Messenger. I didn't even post anything. It sent it on Messenger, and it had a little kid's butt in it. That's why I got banned Dude, for three fucking days. Dude, it is absolutely bananas. Like, at this point, whatever. If you want to find us on Facebook, CMD Reborn, that's the Facebook group. If you go to Instagram, you can follow us at Color Me Dead Podcast, Gory underscore Nikki, and Color Me Dead Angel. Check us out. We're there. We're there. Yeah. Um... You can also check out Legra Creations. Uh, the website is legracreations.com. She does all of our exclusive Patreon shit. And it's pretty fucking cool. And she can make stuff for you too. 
she can do custom stuff. She does. She has a whole color me dead section on there. There's like a shop color me dead button on there. So, and thank you for our extra groovy wall hangings. Oh, yes. <coughs> Excuse me. They're way cool. She did like uh, wood etchings of a bunch of the different logos that she has made for us. And that's way cool. Like she did one for each of us. Love it. I have mine hanging up. Yes. So thank you, Miss Amanda, for those. I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. If you want to get some other merch, you can go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Get t-shirts, hoodies, shoes, a skateboard. Yeah. A, a partridge in a pear tree. A shower curtain. A bath towel. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. Whatever. Whatever you want, we have. Yes. Uh, if you guys want to go and look at ageofradio.org slash colormedead, you can listen to episodes. You can shop the bazaar. You can check out other shows through the Age of Radio Syndicate. You can also hit that Patreon button or go to Patreon. At <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast. And that is where you will make a donation to oh. world domination. <laughs> yes. You can donate $1 to $75. The people who are donating are the people who are actually keeping us going because... Like, literally. Yes. So, thank you. Yes. Let's all thank them real quick. Round of applause. Thank you. Yay. So, <clears throat> if you guys want to send us anything, it goes to the snail mail. goes the to the Fen box. box. P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. If you have an email, shoot it over to colormedadpodcast at gmail.com. And that's a thing you know now. You will find us there. Moving on. Proceed merrily forward. All right. So the first Christmas murder story came mm-hmm. from an article that I found on AETV.com. That's where I found it, but I got some more infos from some other places. So it's like kind of all mixed together here. They called it the Covina Massacre. It took place in the L.A. suburb of Covina, December 24th of 2008. 45-year-old Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, a.k.a. the Santa Gunman, showed up at a party he wasn't invited to at his former in-law's house at 11.30 p.m. He not only showed up to his party uninvited, he was wearing a Santa suit. Because, why not? Mm-hmm. He didn't show up to party, though. He was there for blood. He had a gun in one hand and a wrapped gift that contained a homemade flamethrower in the other hand. He also had three additional semi-automatic handguns, like, somewhere on his body. They didn't really say where, so I'd imagine he had pockets or a backpack or maybe even a Santa sack. I don't know. I don't know. He had a tactical Santa uh, holster. That he did. An eight-year-old girl ran up to greet him at the door because it's Santa just came to the door, so she ran up, and he opened fire, injuring her in the face. He then began to shoot at all 25 of the partygoers, including his ex-wife, Sylvia Ortega Pardo. Police think that he may have stood over some of the victims and pointedly executed them. Just like, yeah. So it wasn't just random. He like went up and finished. He double tapped a few. Once he was finished shooting, he unwrapped the package with the flamethrower and he sprayed racing fuel gasoline to set the house on fire. Someone from the party escaped to the neighbor's house and called the police during the attack. The fire took 80 firefighters and one hour and a half to extinguish. That's how freaking big the freaking fire was. 
Did you hear yourself? Yes. <clears throat> I am so freaking pissed. pissed. I was just going to say, we just watched... Uh, oh, my God. We just watched that movie the other day, and so that's all what we've been saying. I'm so freaking pissed. pissed. Um, I'm about to have a BF. What's a BF? A, a bitch fat. After his shooting spree in Pyro Act, he changed out of the Santa outfit and drove his rental car that he had to his brother's house in Silmer, which was about 30 miles away. He was later found dead from a self-inflicted self-inflicted gunshot wound. His brother was luckily not home at the time, so he didn't have to see that. I don't know which is worse. I don't know. <clears throat> it looked like he had a plan to fly to Canada because it ha- he had a plane ticket on Air Canada. However, it turns out the ticket was to Moline, Illinois. He had even called his high school friend to tell him that he was going to visit, but the whole thing was possibly a plan to keep the cops off of his track. Hmm. He, yeah, he, they think that he just got nervous and was like, you know, fuck this. He had severe third degree burns on his arms from the fire. And that's possibly why he changed his plan because they, it sounded like that they would have needed medical care. And what is he going to do? Like go and explain. So I went into my ex-in-law's house and I shot 25 people and then I got burned real bad. But can you not tell anybody that? Well, when I set the house on fire, got with a my close. homemade flamethrower that contained yeah. racing fuel. Yeah. It's fine. In my Santa outfit. It's normal. Yeah. The cops found him with $17,000 in cash saran wrapped to his leg inside <laughs> a girdle. <clears throat> his rental car had been rigged to ignite flame and detonate if the Santa suit was removed. So he had the Santa suit shoved in there in some nice little rigged up thing to where if you took the Santa suit out, the shit's going to blow. Like it's like shit you see on TV. Mm-hmm. His divorce had been final for about a week before this. And that's what is said to have sparked the attack. So there's a, in, in one of the articles, Dr. Renee Carr, who is a clinical psychologist said, because the winter holidays have a strong promotion of being family holidays, Murder during these times is often associated with the killer having recently lost a loved one, having anger towards a rejecting former lover or spouse, or being resentful of a family member, or sorry, resentful of a family that appears to have it all. <clears throat> so, that's her take on why he went fucking loopy. Well, it's not uncommon for people to retaliate, like... When a like through a breakup or like in a divorce, look at like the story of David, the little boy that was burned type stuff Mm -hmm. that was following. I know that was like following the divorce and the Mm -hmm. dissolution of the, you know, and the wife moving on. There are people that have been divorced for like five years and five years later, they're ex decides to get married and suddenly it matters like they want their ex back it's like it's the weirdest shit ever like people can be moving on and suddenly they want him back or like my cousin holy shit this happened like within the last 90 days my cousin had a very tumultuous marriage with this guy don't even need to know his name 
point being, she did a lot of scandalous shit. He did a lot of scandalous shit. In the end, they ended up getting divorced. He called her one day and was like, hey, I have something for you. I'm going to drop it off. Came to the house, gave her a hug, pushed her down and blew his brains out. Like whipped out a fucking gun and blew his head off (gasps) in front of her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. I could see people like maybe not wanting their their ex back, but knowing that that ex is going to share the holiday that they shared together with somebody else. I could see that sparking something being like, well, that was we did this and this and this. And what if he takes that and wants to go do it with his new family? And that's our fucking thing. And I could see that sparking some shit during this whole spree of his nine people died and three were injured the fire was so big that they had to use dental records to identify the victims the three that were injured were the eight-year-old girl who was shot in the face and she made it out okay from what i understand like it was severe but not critical a 16 year old girl that was shot in the back and a 20 year old woman who broke her ankle jumping out of a second story window to get away from, like, the fire and everything. Oh, my God. The victims who died in the attack were Sylvia, um, which was his ex-wife, her mother, father, two brothers, two sister-in-laws, her sister, and her nephew. The thing that makes this extra suck is that Sylvia had three kids from a previous marriage. They all survived. She and Bruce had only been married for less than two years. I When I was first reading this, I thought that this was like a long-term thing. Oh, no, no, no. They had been legally married for less than two years. They had only been married together for about a year and a half. Wow. He wouldn't financially take care of her three kids and expected her to do it on her own. He also refused to get a joint checking account with her. This is possibly what caused them to drift apart because he was like... No, sorry, not helping you. Well, isn't that something that you would establish prior to getting married? Or that's what I was thinking. And maybe he did because a lot of, you know, you know how people tell you all the things you want to hear and tell? Oh, perhaps. That point. And then it's like, yeah, never mind. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps that's just me. And I'm not saying that to be like a shitheel or victim blame anybody. I am such a fucking nut about money. But a lot of people aren't. That, like, I didn't even share a bank account with Spencer for a long, long time. Yeah. I always, ca- even when I, like, I've had several serious, listen to me, listen, actually, I've had, like, several serious I relationships. So, so, like, I know things about stuff. Even when I was in serious relationships in the past, I always had my own bank account, and I was the only person that had access to it. Yeah, I've never had a joint checking account but I always just had access to Clint's. <laughs> I have access to theirs. They don't have access to mine. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have a joint account with my husband now. We have had for many years. But it took a long time for me to even, like, get comfortable with that idea. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That I just seems like imagine. such an important thing to me. Yeah, and I don't know if they, if she didn't, like, if she just assumed or if, I don't know. I mean, she thought it was something they could work through or, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many different scenarios here. Well, and I, one would have to assume, and maybe we shouldn't assume, I shouldn't assume because it makes that an ass out of you and me, me. uh, that when you get married and somebody has children and they have primary custody of those children, 
you are now responsible for the health and well-being of those children. You are actually financially responsible as well. Yeah, when I started dating Clint and Calvin was a baby, I'm like, we're a, we're a together you thing. This you thing? don't get me without him because Calvin doesn't right. have a dad. He didn't he didn't go anywhere on the weekends. It was Calvin all the time with right. me. That was my mine. It would be <clears throat> mine. It would like even even if a parent is a biological parent is in their life, when they're at your home, you are still responsible for their health, their well being, and so be it financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, dude, like maybe it would be different if the kid wasn't living with you full time and you didn't have full custody and then you only had that child every now and again. And then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Now I'm just making scenarios up in my head. Right. (laughs) But she had three kids she had custody of and he refused to help them out at all. Well, They had separated at least six months prior because in June of 2008, divorce court ordered him to pay her $1,785 a month in alimony. So he must have made decent money, which sucks if he wouldn't help her with her kids. Um, He got fired in July, though, because he's a petty motherfucker, I bet. I bet he got fired on purpose so he didn't have to pay her. And the payments were suspended at that time, so she probably got maybe one month's worth of that stuff. He was also supposed to pay her $10,000 as part of the divorce settlement. He, of course, threw a fit in court saying that she lived with her mom and was blowing money on cars and vacations and all this, all kinds of shit. It was also later revealed that he planned on killing his own mother because of her sympathy towards Sylvia during the divorce. So that's all we have on, on that bitch. All right. This is the Dallas Christmas killings. And it's another killer Santa. Aziz Yadz... I practiced saying this even the other day, and now I've, it's all fucked up. I'm sorry. I've slept since then. Yazdanpana. Yazdanpana. Oh. And oh. I like to add an accent to it that probably doesn't go with it because it's what I do. Okie dokie. He donned the festive red and white outfit in anticipation of his rampage on December 25th, 2011. He entered his estranged wife's Dallas, Texas apartment and began shooting the family. They had just finished unwrapping presents. All in all, he ended up murdering six people, including his wife and two teenage children. His wife's sister, her husband, and their 22-year-old niece, or his 22-year-old niece, which is their 22-year-old daughter, before killing himself. The victims and two handguns were discovered in the kitchen and living room with presents and wrapping paper all over the floor. Aziz, I'm not going to try to say his last name again, had been dealing with financial and marital issues, which detectives believed to contribute to his mindset before the murder-suicide. Like the Covina case, it's likely that suicide was a last-minute decision when the killer found himself overwhelmed. The crime scene showed attempts by Aziz to frame his brother-in-law by placing one of the guns in his hand. So he was like, oh, shit, I didn't do this. Here, take this. <laughs> God. Here, catch. Yeah, have it. Oh, it's got your fingerprints on it now, fucker. What are you going to do? Nothing. I can see him talking shit to the dead guy. Like, God. Psycho. 
His 22-year-old niece had sent a text to a friend just before 11 a.m. that day saying, So we're here. We just got here, and my uncle is here too, dressed as Santa. Awesome. She then sent another text at 11.15 a.m. that said, Now he wants to be all fatherly and win father of the year. At 11.34 a.m., he called 911 and then shot himself. Police arrived three minutes later and found everyone dead. In a recording of the 911 call, he was saying, help, help, I'm shooting people. (laughs) Fucking asshole. That just sounds so ridiculously funny to me. Help me, I'm shooting people. I know. I wonder if if like somebody got a semi-automatic weapon. And they do, like, you know how you have fear throttle? Yeah. And you can't let go Whiskey of the Whiskey throttle. throttle? Like, yeah. So was he just, like, finger stuck? Like, just... No. Bah, bah, bah. No. Because he had a fucking pistol. Help, I'm shooting Help, people. Help, I'm shooting people. Mm. He'd been married to his wife for 24 years. And according to the medical examiner, his son, daughter, niece, and sister-in-law were all shot multiple times in the head. He shot his own fucking kids multiple times in the head. What kind of financial issues are going to lead you to that? I have no idea, dude. Ask Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit? Benoit. You said it wrong. It's Benoit. Benoit. He had financial problems on top of his marital problems. I think I already said that. Yeah. But I'm going to add to it. Nobody knows why, if this is why, if it's something else, but there you go. That came, that article came from NBCNews.com. The next story is, it might be a little cringy, especially to Star Wars fans, but here we go. This little article, this little ditty about Jack and Diane. Two American kids, kids growing up, up in the heartland. Just kidding. It comes from Vice.com. By the time Christmas Eve of 2014 had finally come around, Samina Imam couldn't help but feel a little excited. The 34-year-old was busy preparing for the festive days that were to follow, and as she popped out of her office to grab the final bits from Marks and Spencer, a bottle of Bellini, and a tub of treats, her plan was finally coming together. Since starting their relationship with... Since starting... Oh my god. Since the start of their relationship, Roger Cooper, Samina's colleague and lover, had been leading a double life. With a long-term partner at home, Samina was stuck playing second fiddle. That Christmas, everything was set to change. The pair would spend Christmas Day at Birmingham, Birmingham's Mel Mason Hotel, and at the start of 2015, they would finally officially be together. All Samina wanted was for Christmas with the man that she loved, and this year she was finally going to get him. At least, that's what she had been promised. Wrong. Huge mistake. (laughs) Huge. While Samina had been getting everything put together to make the start of her new life on her Christmas vacation, Roger and his brother David had been preparing to take hers. By 6.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Samina and Mom would be dead. The hotel room that she had been booked... Wow. (laughs) I genuinely apologize. (laughs) The hotel room she had booked, sitting empty as the Cooper brothers set about covering up her callous murder. This tragic story begins at the Costco store on the outskirts, outskirts of Coventry. Do you Hello? live on the outskirts of town? Ta- I live on the outskirts of Vernal. Just, you know, a little off Main Street on the outskirts. Um, the, the word is outskirt, and I literally said 
outskirt. Outkirt. All right. The outskirts of Coventry. It was where the... Oh, God, Jesus, help me. It was here that 41-year-old Roger worked as a manager, as did Samina, a regional marketing boss for a handful of the multinationals nearby. Relationships between senior members and staff were very much against the rules. No canoodling. You're fraternizing. Yeah, don't do it. Especially somebody who has got a girlfriend. Listen, don't fiddle with people um, in relationships. Um, like it I, generally does I, not pan out yeah. in your favor. I am against fiddling with people in relationships. I found that out the hard way. When they lie, when they tell you, we're not happy we're breaking up, we're separated. Don't listen. We're Do not divorced. fucking like, listen hey, to that. By the by, I'm just letting you know. That even if a person is recently divorced, you might want to play that one by ear. Because I had somebody that was like legit shit. The divorce was final. They were living separate. We were dating. He ended up dumping me and going back to his wife. Well, I had a guy who told me. He went it to work and told all the bosses I'm getting divorced. Like it, they were legally separated. All this shit. Like he went that far. Into doing it. And I was young. I didn't know not to date in the workplace. Like, I was new at the, you know. Being a big kid. That was the only place I knew to meet people because I was in a new town. New, you know, I was new divorced. We dated for eight fucking months. And I found out that whole time they weren't even separated. Yeah, dude. Eight months. I was a workaholic, so it wasn't like I was going out and doing shit with him. Like, come by, let's do the, do the damn thing. And then rule, you- rule number one. Don't shit where you sleep. Rule number two, don't eat off somebody else's plate. I didn't know I was. I know, but I'm just... fair. Rule number two, if you know that, I'm just saying, don't eat off other people's plates. Nope. Well, this did not work out for Samina, okay? Fraternizing and canoodling, not a good idea. They spent two years entangled in a little workplace love affair, but Samina had begun to get restless. She gave Roger an ultimatum, an ultimatum, in the run-up to the holiday season, leave your long-term girlfriend or it's over. Well, Roger obliged. Hmm. During a 10-week trial, which ended on the 20th of October, 2015. Hey, that's right before I got married. Yeah, it is. Prosecution counsel Timothy Spencer, QC, told the court that Roger had brazenly lied to Samina Roger. Roger had never any had never any intentions of leaving his partner. He feared that Samina would spill the beans about their affair, which in his mind, would jeopardize both his personal life as well as his career. Rather than face up to the consequences of his actions, Roger enlisted the help of his ex-soldier, of ex-soldier David. Which is his brother. His brother. His brother. So, because, hey man, it's it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. You shake it to death, and it's like it never happened. Mm Mm-hmm. It erases. They set to killing Samina. While Roger had a motive for the murder, however twisted, it remains a mystery why his brother was willing to kill a woman that he barely knew. Hey, man, it depends. Because, like, if my brother showed up to my house and was like, listen, we gotta are, kill a bitch. We are going to this place and we're going to have to hurt somebody really, really bad. And you can't ask me why and we can never talk about it. But we're probably going to have to kill some people. You'd be like, all right, let me get I'm like, shoes. so are, we're taking... We're taking my truck, right? <laughs> I gotta put my shoes on and find my keys. I'll drive. It's, I got this. 
Their first attempt on her life was planned for the early hours of the 12th of December in 2014. Samina was a regular guest at uh, Solly Hall's Premier Inn, and that night, following a Christmas party, she had planned to sleep there. Roger had told Samina to meet him at the hotel, meet him at the hotel, where he claimed he had booked a room and had a surprise. Finger quote surprise. That's what for we her. call it, and it's not a dick in a box. Just so you know. Welp. The transpa the transpiration of said surprise was that no room had been booked and that Roger wasn't going to be there. Meanwhile, while Brother David sat in a car that he had hired in the car park, ready and waiting to abduct her, the brothers communicated using Star Wars codes. <laughs> Death Star complete. Stay on target. Stay on target. You are expected, Vader. Like, throwing them out like they're just throwing movie quotes at each other. Dumbasses. The plan failed, and... Although what went wrong is still unclear to the detectives, Samina made her way safely into the hotel from her taxi. David sent a text to his brother in broken French, which translated to, there's no point, no score. The window of opportunity is closed. So just 12 days later, the brothers took aim yet again. At 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Samina left work just after Roger, each of them driving in their separate vehicles. The couple met up nearby again, where she unpacked her luggage from her BMW and willing, willingly jumped in to Roger's Audi. Leaving her, par- leaving her car parked upon a quiet side street, Roger and Samina drove off together towards Leicester. Towards Worcester. Leicester. <laughs> Leicester. Leicester. Detectives believe that Samina thought it was going to be a quick pre-Christmas visit to David, a detour to their trip to Birmingham. It was on this journey that Samina spoke with her sister for the final time. She asked how her mother was getting on and confirmed that she would be at her parents' house on Boxing Day for family Christmas celebrations. The couple arrived at David Cooper's Lysta house at 5 p.m. It was early in the evening, but already dark outside, deep into the winter. It is believed that Samina was attacked by David almost immediately upon entering his property. It can't, it could not have been difficult for the brothers to overpower her. They were six foot five and six foot seven. So with Samina being a slight five two, which is my height. Yeah. It's like your size getting ambushed by by John and Spencer. Yeah. (laughs) Except for, yeah. She was smothered with chloroform purchased on eBay, which was acquired just a few weeks earlier. Uh, A bizarre combination of metallic elements, including antimony, 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 not matrimony. No, it was not. Cadmium, tin, mercury, and arsenic. Why is that word fucking with me? Antimony. And well, anyway, it's a metal. It is also thought (laughs) to have been administered into Samina liquid form uh by 6 30 roger had already begun his journey back to coventry leaving david to dispose of samina's body in an effort to create the impression that samina was still alive roger once he had turned up at his home to join his partner sent himself a text from her phone jesus it was a false alibi i'm fuming i am going to where i am truly cared for it read do you not know there's location fucking surfaces? 
Dumbass. Meanwhile, David got on with, de- with disposing of Samina's body. Pathologists found she had been transferred into a grave within hours of her death. On a quiet, <clears throat> excuse me, on a quiet allotment, on a quiet allotment, on Groby Road in Lysta, the, fuck, the body was wrapped in cling film and a sleeping bag and was buried deep underground. Whether or not David noticed the chilling sign hanging from his allotment shed, don't wind me up, I'm running out of places to hide bodies. Only he knows. Maybe it was kind of a joke for him. Like, haha, now there's an actual body here. Uh-huh. Over the following days, the brothers continued to cover up the operation. Samina's car was moved from Coventry to Leicester. Leicester. I, Leicester? Leicester. Leicester. Whatever. Lobster. Anyway, it's in the UK. Oh, yeah, I knew that, duh. Well... I remember that part now. Well. Because they kept saying stuff and I was like, what the fuck? This is, where is this? Yeah, I remember now. So, they moved Samina's car from Coventry to Lysta. Oh, it's the UK. Lysta. Loista. I'm such a douchebag. It's no wonder people leave us bad reviews. And then, after being wiped for fingerprints and DNA, abandoned in Lutton. When Samina never appeared for her family's Boxing Day dinner, the police were informed and a launch into a search. They launched into a search. And launched into a search for her, later codenamed Operation Ceramic. On the 4th of January, 2015, Samina's car was located on a quiet residential Lutton Street, some 65 miles away from Coventry. Her handbag was missing, her suitcase and shopping too. There were no fingerprints and the police found it suspicious. Well, duh. There's not any of her DNA or any of her fucking fingerprints in the car. Uh Uh-huh. One would think that when you were moving a car, you would... Find every possible way to remove your DNA or keep your fingerprints, but leave hers behind. Anyway, Hmm. like you do, you wipe the whole fucker down and now the cops are like, so there's no trace of her in her own car as she was headed out of town? Right. Because it was before COVID where we didn't remove all of our right? DNA well, from our car voluntarily. This is this is a typical <laughs> dumbass mistake. The seat was too far back. So the person that was last driving her car was a very large human rookie. being. Rookie. You rookie mistake. If you get in if I got in your car, I can't get in your car. No. Or in your truck without hitting my knees. So I have to scoot it back. Rookie mistake, dude. I know that you have to be all the fucking way up there if you're uh, driving. I'm just saying. Short legs. You gotta read some pedals. You know how I know that this is a rookie mistake? Because in the movie Son-in-Law, that's how Theo yeah, gets tricked. Yeah, it is. I they, was trying uh-huh, to think of which one it was. Him. Yep. I was trying to think of what movie that was. So, there were no fingerprints. Obviously, as we talked about, cops find it a little bit suspicious. Don't be sus. Hmm. The driver's seat pushed back too far. The missing person's inquiry became a no-body murder inquiry. From then, it didn't take long for detectives to put together the pieces of the grotesque murder. Data from Samina's phone revealed to police that she had traveled with Roger to Lysta. The Hmm. bottle of Bellini Samina had purchased for Christmas was found in David's fridge, the snacks in his cupboard, and her set-nav in his loft. After a tip-off from a member of the public, archaeologists arrive at the allotment and begin the excavation. On the fourth day, investigators found outside... 
the outside edge of the sleeping bag. Once they lifted the flap, they knew straight away Samina Imam's body had been found. The brothers were arrested on suspicion of murder the 7th of January 2014, and they were charged two days later. On the 21st of October 2015, Roger and David were both found guilty of murder, unanimous, excuse me, were both found guilty of murder unanimously by a jury. By Christmas, they were both behind bars, each serving a 30-year sentence. So, maybe... Are you with me? I'm with you. So, maybe don't let Christmas stress lead you to murder your family. And uh, stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.